It's 4 o'clock on Monday, and you know what that means. Stuff is going to break. Feedback detected. What? <laughs> it's 4 o'clock on Monday, and you know what that means. It's time for another exciting episode of Taxi TV Live. Yeah, baby. Blow those speakers up. And thank you, fake band. Thank you, fake audience. Hope the air conditioner continues to work. Well, that was fun. Um, for those of you who weren't part of the gang, uh, we were having some uh, video difficulties. That's what we get for upgrading. So hopefully everything will continue to work well. Not good job, guys. Good job, Bri. I had nothing to do with that. Personally, I was hoping that we'd get to call the show off and I could <laughs> take the next hour and a half of the day off because I was here all day Saturday working on this show. So I feel like I deserve a little free time. Anyway, we are doing the seven deadly sins that cause musicians to fail on today's show. Um, and believe me, there are plenty more than seven sins, but this is, I like seven, you know? It's a good round number. Uh, that just made Polly's head explode. <laughs> I know it did. <laughs> Do you hear that, Polly? Seven, it's a round number. Kidding. Okay, over the 40 plus years that I've been in the music industry, I really have seen far more people that have failed than I would ever want to see fail. Um, they're not having success, um, I think, largely because of their own problemos. What? We're muted. Yeah, but I think it's some. I guess they're saying that it sounds like they're getting. That's why. There we go. Okay, should be good now. How's right. that? <laughs> <laughs> it's four o'clock on Monday, and you know what that means. It's time for another exciting episode of Taxi TV Live. This week, starring the seven deadly sins that cause musicians to fail. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the big show again. <laughs> so, as I was saying before, we were so rudely interrupted by bad audio, bad video, and just about everything else that could go wrong today. Um, I've been in the business now for 42, 43 years, for real, like really in the music business for all these years. And I've seen so many people that have failed. It's heartbreaking, actually. Um, I think that they cause a lot of these failures on their own and they just don't realize it. But of course, they love to blame everybody around them. They lay it at the doorstep of the industry itself. They blame the gatekeepers. They blame everybody but their own selves. That was really good English. So let's get right to it because I have 10 pages and 3,500 words. I have no idea if this is going to last 42 minutes or 60 minutes or 90 minutes or two hours. So the first deadly sin is having the desire to be successful with your music without clearly defining what success means. If you ask musicians, here I should hold this up so I don't have to look down so far. If you ask musicians what it is they want, more often than not, they're going to say to get my music out there. Yeah, that was a one-handed air quote. So what exactly does out there mean? Does it mean out there on a record? Does it mean out there on a TV show? Does it mean cut by another artist? Does it mean out there in a video game? Does it mean out there in a movie, in a TV commercial, or in a viral YouTube video, assuming that your audio and video are both working on this at the same time? But sadly, most musicians would just answer any of the above, or all of the above. 
out there. I just want it out there. Why do they want it out there? Because people want to be recognized for their art. They want to be loved for their art. Actually, when you get right down to it, everybody just wants to be loved. I know I want to be loved. It was breaking my heart when the audio and video weren't working before. I was thinking, how will I be loved today if I can't go live on this camera? So we're all searching for acceptance. It's that desire for acceptance, which I, the guy without a PhD in psychology, think is the root of the vast majority of musicians wanting to be successful with their music. Acceptance. Everybody wants it. The problem with that is that there's an assumption that if everybody loves your music, fame and fortune will come with it. So for many musicians, success is defined as the ever elusive fame and fortune paradigm that very, very, very few musicians ever actually achieve. Conversely, several of the most successful taxi members that I know, and I'm talking about the members who are making six-figure incomes from their music, those members, those musicians, to the person have all laid out clear goals. I know these people, I know them well, and they all lay out clear goals. Um, let's see, where am I? So learning what the most fruitful types of music, oh, so what are the goals that they've laid out uh, for themselves? Learning what the most fruitful types of music are that they could create. Learning how to create music in the right way as to the length, the production values, the arrangements, the length of the intro. I just had a, a very long discussion with a member the other day who was really ticked off about intro length. Um, faded or non-faded endings, those are all things that matter, especially when you're pitching, obviously, to film and TV. Um, another thing that people need to have goals is learning how to effectively operate their home studios. So many people just want to get their music out there. They've got that vague, yet burning desire to get their music out there, but they don't know how to operate a, a studio on a laptop. And it's really not that hard, of course, if you try to watch me operate, uh, what are we using again, Wirecast, you would think that it is. Um, let's see, another thing, they, uh, learning how to be stimulated to not only create, but to create a certain thing when it's needed. Uh, that's a goal, learning how to create music that people actually want versus just waiting for the music to come you know, twice a year and creating something that's vague and nobody knows what it is. Um, setting goals for how many hours a day you're going to work, how many hours a week, in a month, in a year, and when those hours are. Get that specific. Figure out when you are going to do your music work. Setting goals for how many pieces of music they can create in a day, a week, a month, or a year. Gee, do I see Marcus? Do I see Sherry? I'm looking in like uh, Miss Francis looking in the romper room here, but I know that Marcus and Sherry are in the audience today. They got 300 pieces of music done in a single year. 300 pieces of music. That's, uh, what did I figure out? Uh, like 0.81 pieces of music per day that they averaged finished. Not, hmm, I've got an idea for a song. Hmm, I laid down part of a rhythm track. Hmm, I've got everything but the vocal done. Hmm, still needs to be mixed. They got it all done from conception to final mix times 300 in a year. Now that is goal setting. Really, really proud of you guys for doing that. Um, setting goals for the amount of income you'd like to earn from your music. When you say something as vague as, I just want to get it out there, you're not going to be able to manifest 
anything if you can't see it, if you can't set the goal, if you don't know specifically what you want. Um, and setting goals for the timeline during which you're going to achieve those goals. Because if you say, I just want to get my music out there, I just want to get my music heard, when, how, when, why, all those things remain unanswered. Um, I believe that if you don't define your goals, you will not achieve your goals. How could you? There's my lecture for the day. Bye. <laughs> Would you try to be a world champion pole vaulter? Now, there's something we all aspire to without knowing what the world record is. How could you be a world champion if you don't know what you've got to beat? You can't. You've got to know specifics. You've got to set specific goals. You need to know what you're shooting for, and you need to know what you want to accomplish. So would you try to become the world's best quarterback, or at least in the NFL, I guess, without knowing about the game or developing the skill set that's needed, without knowing the stats of the top current quarterback, current top quarterback? I wouldn't, but of course not. You've got to know what it is that you're shooting at. Would you try to become a successful poker player, a successful investor, a successful screenwriter, a doctor? a marathon or a guitar player, anything else, and feel that you could accomplish that goal without, you know, knowing anything, just having the desire. I, I want to be a quarterback. I'm going to get my butt kicked, but I want to be a quarterback. You can't just state the desire and wait for it to rain the result down on you. You can't do that. Is that vague desire going to get your music out there in any way, shape, or form? No, it's not. So there you go. That's the first deadly sin. I'm going to go back. And reiterate that the first deadly sin is having the desire to be successful without clearly defining what success is. Okay? So just saying, I just want to get my music out of there, out there, doesn't work. The second deadly sin, this one's easy, not getting started. So many people just sit around, you know, kind of wallowing in this vague, uh, I just want my music to get out there, but they don't actually do anything about it. They don't start. So again, could you become a successful poker player, investor, screenwriter, doctor, marathoner, guitar player, or anything else if you don't start playing poker, if you don't start investing, if you don't start writing screenplays, if you don't start going to med school, don't start running, don't start playing guitar, virtually anything that you want to accomplish in life, if you don't start, you're not going to get there. Why haven't you started? It's a dirty word. Procrastination. Why do you procrastinate? Because A, you're just plain lazy. Oh look, I can see myself in the time of my laptop. Uh, B, you're fearful that you'll fail. C, you're secretly fearful that you're just not as good as you think you are. I think that one is the case for a lot of people. D, that you'll be the laughing stock of the world if you do fail. So what do you do to avoid being the laughing stock of the world? You just don't start. You let your laziness take over. You let your fear control you. And if you don't start, you can't fail. Then again, if you don't start, you already are a big fat failure, aren't you? Uh-oh, here comes Bria. What am I doing? Keep going on. What am I doing wrong? You're not doing anything wrong. Okay. It's not obvious still. Really? Apparently. That's what they say, but keep going. Well, I, I don't want the audio to suck. I may have to redo this show. Well, How's the audio now, guys? It's echoing. They can hear it. It's just apparently echoing. That's weird. We've got it muted here. Yeah. We've got it muted here in the studio. Oh, well. 
we got a whole week to figure it out before next week's show. Um, so then again, if you don't start, I'm repeating this, uh, then again, if you don't start, you already are a big fat failure, aren't you? So how do you beat procrastination? Here's what worked for me. When I started Taxi, I had no other job, I had very little savings, and I had no income. I wasn't a trust fund baby, I'm still not. Uh, my parents had gone through a tough time and I couldn't even ask my own parents for money. Failure was not an option for me. I had to make taxi work or I'd be homeless, for real. Didn't like that idea. Starting taxi was way harder than I thought it would be. Um, and it took far longer than I ever imagined. But I don't scare very easily, um, but I gotta admit, I was petrified. I had two daughters I was paying child support for and lots of it because my income prior to starting taxi was moderately robust so therefore the judge hit me with lots of uh, child support it was expensive uh, and although I'm pretty good with managing my money um, I had grown up responsibilities and if I didn't make taxi work everything would have gone in the dumper I was truly a week away from being homeless for about a year and a half any point in time I could have been homeless um, I had to get things started I couldn't stop I couldn't take a day off. I couldn't have a lazy day. I couldn't fake it. Uh, I couldn't give in to procrastination. So, do you know how to guarantee that you'll get started and stick with something? I do. Tell everybody you know that you started it. Everybody. Online, in person, at dinner parties, at your kid's birthday party, everywhere you go. Tell everybody you can think of that this is what I'm starting. I did that with Taxi. I think my, my then girlfriend or fiance, Deborah, um, who's now my wife, for better or for worse, um, but that's her saying that, not me. Um, I think that it embarrassed her. She's thinking, oh my God, all this guy talks about is Taxi. But I kind of felt like if I just get it out there and everybody knows this is what I'm doing, I couldn't fail because my ego is too big to let me fail in front of a bunch of people. So. What can you do? You could say, I'm going to write and record 100 pieces of music this year. And I'm going to post about each one of them as I finish them. I don't care if they're that good in the beginning because I know that I'll get better with each and every one that I fail at. Because failing and failing fast makes you better. But at least I won't fail at getting started. And if I won't fail at, st and I won't fail at sticking with it. So make a very public proclamation about your intention. And the prospect of failing in the public eye will be greater than your pro proclivity to procrastinate. Try and say that three times quickly. Would you rather succumb to playing a video game or have everybody you love and respect watch you fail? If you really want to mo motivate yourself, then quit your job because nothing says get off your lazy procrastinating butt faster than quitting your job and... Um, having the real prospect of being homeless staring you in the face all the time, 24 hours a day. And don't you dare lay it on your spouse's lap by living off of his or her income while you fake it by sort of working at becoming successful. That won't work, and the only thing you'll accomplish is losing somebody you love. Uh, then again, man, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> that's one way to do it. <laughs> just say it. Okay, the air conditioner's clearly not working again, so you gotta press the button on the lower right till it goes to cool, and then press the other buttons to make it cool. I don't know what the hell's going on. We are having a bad tech day at Taxi. Um, so there you go. Uh, that's sin number two, is just not 
starting. All right. The third deadly sin is not following in the footsteps of those who've already accomplished what it is that you want to accomplish. We all know that virtually every motivational speaker on the planet advises that you should model people who are already successful, right? Why reinvent the wheel? <laughs> Bree's having a good time with the air conditioner over there. Yeah, got it for now. Five minutes from now, it'll just stop again. I don't know what the hell's going on today. So anyway, um, we're talking about modeling. Uh, modeling people who've already done what it is that you want to do. So are you so special that there isn't somebody that you can model? I doubt it. Uh, do you have a spouse? So did the people, successful people that you want to model. Um, do you have a job? So did they. Uh, do you have kids? They probably did. Uh, do you have a busy life? Yep, they did too. Uh, do you have a mortgage or a rent payment? Probably, or they probably did. Uh, do you need to learn how to use Pro Tools or some other workstation? So did they. Do you need to learn how to write better songs or instrument or instrumentals? So did they. Do you need to overcome procrastination? So did they. Do you need to convince your family that this endeavor isn't folly? So did they. Do you need to finish plugging in your studio since you moved? Hear that one all the time. But guess what? So did they. Do you need to make some new genres of music to find out where your abilities intersect with the industry actually needs? So did they. Do you need to quit overthinking every note you write and record? So did they. And do you need to stop over-perfecting and just get it done? So did they. For every possible problem you can come up with and every piece of knowledge you need to know to become successful with your music, we've got a taxi member on our free forum there's no cost. Anybody can go on there. It's a free form, and there's somebody on there that's already solved the problem. They've already learned what it is that you need to learn, and they're more than willing to share it with you. That's part of the beauty of the taxi ecosystem, as I like to call it. You don't have just one person whose example you can follow. You've got teams of them, groups of them, a whole village of some of the nicest, most generous people you'll ever meet, and they're available pretty much 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. So, what's your excuse for not modeling now? You don't have one. All right? Fourth deadly sin. Fourth deadly sin. There you go. Not exactly the sound effect I was looking for, but we'll take it. The fourth deadly sin is thinking that the world or the universe owes you your dream. <laughs> the only person who owes you anything is you. You're the only person standing between you and your success. The only person. Look in the mirror and go, why am I not successful? It's because you don't want it badly enough to make yourself do the work to be successful. All right? You can't blame anybody else, including your mother. Okay? So there, I just saved you a whole bunch of money on a shrink. If you do, you're lying to yourself, and deep down inside, you know it. But Michael, I just lost my job last year. All right, I see that as an opportunity. Now you've got 365 days a year to create new music, and you can find the silver lining in anything. So how many songs or instrumentals did you finish when you didn't have to, or when you did have to go to work every day? Now look at the opportunity that you've got when you don't have to go to work every day. How many pieces of music did you finish that you could play me right now? And this is only for non-taxi members, because I know the taxi members are doing it. But Michael, I've got writer's block. Did I spend my entire Saturday sitting at this very chair writing this stuff down for you? Yep. 
Did I have writer's block when I walked into the office on Saturday and sat down to start this? You bet your bottom I did. Uh, and I made a note. I'm currently at 1,610 words typed out, so there. <laughs> when you've got to create something or fail in front of those you love, and I love you guys, it's amazing what you can accomplish. Accomplish. It's better to write something bad than it is to not write anything at all. Because you will get better with every bad piece of crap you write. It just gets better. Um, can you blame anybody now that I've given you permission to suck? Nope, not even your mom. Uh, you got no more excuses. Nobody else can do it for you or take the blame if it's not getting done. It's your dream. You own it. You own it completely. Did taxi members Marcus Cohen and Sherry Milano Marcus finish 300 pieces of music and submit them to publishers and music libraries? Yes, they did. Let me repeat that. 300 songs or instrumentals finished in just one year. The audience went crazy for that. Did anybody do that for them? No. The world doesn't owe them success. Neither does the universe. They wanted success, so they set very specific goals. They've modeled the most successful six-figure taxi members. They started working, and in 12 months, they created 300 pieces of excellent music. They signed deals. They're getting placements, and they will absolutely break the six-figure mark and go into the Taxi Member Hall of Fame someday. I know that. I have just absolutely zero doubt. They didn't spend their days staring at Facebook or Instagram, or if they did, they hit it pretty well. They didn't procrastinate. They just started. They stuck with it. They owned it. And they're going to be wealthy and proud of what they created and accomplished in the not-too-distant future. So just keep your eyes on them. I know him personally. I also know Matt Vanderbilt personally. I know Chuck Henry personally. I know Stephen Baird personally. I know Dean Crepain. I know Matt Hurt. I know all these people that are Taxi's most successful members, and they all, all of them, own it, they live it, they don't procrastinate, and they don't think that the world owes them anything, especially a career in the music industry. And if you think, if you need further inspiration, think of wounded veterans who come home from war missing limbs, and yet they still accomplish great things. Um, think of Stephen Hawking. Think of Diane Warren. Think of just anybody who's ever been successful at anything and you're likely to find somebody who didn't think that the world owed them anything. It doesn't owe you anything either. If you need further inspiration, uh, listen to this open letter that taxi member Ron Kajawa posted on our forum, I don't know, maybe nine months or a year ago. Uh, but before I read it, you should hear this bio about him that I found online. Um, again, this is about taxi member Ron Kajawa. After losing his wife, the mother of their two daughters, to lung cancer, she was a non-smoker, uh, in 2009, Ron's approach to performing music and songwriting was intensely impacted. She was the strongest person I've ever known. Being with her to the end uh, and becoming a widowed single father changed everything, said Ron. Here's the, the post that he made on our forum on May 29th of 2017 at 5.41 p.m., just in case you were wondering. Uh, and this is a little abridged because it, it, it was longer than I could have in the show, I think. After recently, re Michael, after recently receiving my renewal notice, I thought it'd be a good time to let you know where I'm at and how I've progressed since joining Taxi in 2011. 
it's hard to believe I've been working on this for six years. Although, if I'm honest, the first couple of years I barely made an effort. I was still learning how to be a single father and made a major career change in 2010. I wanted to be more involved in doing music professionally, but I didn't have the capacity. In 2014, after moving cross-country, making another career change and having a relationship go sideways, I finally settled into a solid music work routine and I got smarter about my approach to this business. In 2014, I had zero placements. Goose eggs, folks. Zero placements. In 2015, I had my first placement ended the year earning $77 in royalties. When 2016 had finished, I had, had over 20 placements, earning uh, total earnings of $1,386. As of May 2017, I've earned about $2,400, so it's halfway, a little less than halfway through the year, and I'm still a ways off from doing this full-time, but it finally feels like the goal is within reach. When I first joined Taxi, uh, I signed up for two years. I decided I was in it for the long haul. Long haul. Every two years, I don't even question whether or not I'm renewing. I just do it. Like many other members, I wish I'd started sooner. I think the opportunities that Taxi offers to connect with, the new, with new music libraries, publishers, and direct placements in TV and film is super valuable in my quest to expand my pipeline and find the best fit I can for me and my music. Before I joined Taxi, I think I was dubious as to how well those would play out. Most of my connections with libraries and the vast majority of my placements can be traced directly to those opportunities. As valuable as those are, to me, they aren't even the best thing about Taxi. Prior to becoming a member, I figured the opportunities were what made Taxi valuable. I learned pretty quickly that there's way more to it. The Taxi community, the community is second to none and has been an incredible resource in learning the business, getting input on projects and staying encouraged. I never would have guessed that before joining. I've made a ton of really good friends through the forums, the Facebook groups, and attending the Road Rally. The Road Rally has been covered by many members. He means on the forum, I'm sure. But I'll add my two cents by saying the Road Rally weekend has become my favorite weekend of the year. I love the opportunity to learn more and to connect with like-minded people. This weekend is worth more than its weight in gold and in inspiration. Looking forward to November, and in the meantime, writing, submitting as much as I can. Thank you for all you do, Ron. So there you go. There's a guy that lost his wife, sadly, at a young age, I'm sure, because Ron's not an old guy. Um, to lose your wife and have two young kids and to be able to get it together to be a single dad after dealing with that kind of sorrow and loss and being um, there for his kids and still finding it um, in him, in his constitution, to get up and pull himself up and still make music and progress as he's done. If he can do it, what's your excuse? Just saying. The fifth deadly sin. Thinking that if you invest 300 bucks in a taxi membership that you should make that much or more in your first year. I see that comment online from time to time and it makes me wonder if people realize that they're getting into the music business. Business with a B, folks. Uh, as many taxi members would tell you, it's a marathon, it's not a sprint. Could you take golf lessons for a year and expect to play the tour the following year? No, we all know that, right? Um, Diane Warren wrote and published her music like an insane person. Um, I mean, sorry, pitched her music like an insane person for 12 years until she finally got her first cut. 12 years. How many people 
could just keep doing something and getting knocked down for 12 years and just keep getting back up. And now she is arguably, I'm guessing, the most successful female songwriter in the history of the industry. Um, Stephen Pressfield, who uh, we all know and love, wrote manuscripts for 10 years before he ever collected his check for his work. 10 years. It took me seven years of operating taxi before I got back to the income level I was at when I left my job and started this company. If you think that merely investing the money, 300 measly bucks, guarantees you that you're going to make that money back and more in the first year, you really might want to think about readjusting your thinking. It's going to take some time and it's going to take some work. If by some act of God you got lucky on your first pitch and you got it signed to a music library, it could take weeks, months, or years before that piece gets picked up from the library and placed in a TV show or film. There's a good chance it'll never land anywhere. Just because it gets signed is no guarantee that it's going to end up being used somewhere or that it's ever going to earn income. But if it does get signed and it does land in a TV show, all in a miraculous 90-day window, by the time the network files the cue sheets, by the time your PRO collects the money and distributes the money and the check finally gets to you, it's likely going to be another six to nine months or longer before you ever see the income. And if it's a foreign placement outside of the U.S., it could be a couple of years. So, and, and you know, it could be for 72 cents or $12 or $109 or it could be for 10000 um, it, it all depends on where you get a place, the length of the placement, is it featured, is it background, all that stuff. So the trick is to get hundreds or even thousands of pieces of music in several catalogs over a period of years, and then it becomes regular income and it becomes cumulative income. That's when you start to earn real money. Just like any other business, there's startup costs, there's overhead, lots of hard work, lots of patience before the big bucks come in. But if you follow the path that our most successful members have illuminated for you, you can really, you really can earn a nice six-figure income with nothing but a small home studio. Which leads us to the sixth deadly sin. Thinking that you need to have an acoustically perfect recording space and a bunch of gear to be competitive. I see that comment all the time online. It's like, oh, I gotta wait till I rebuild my studio. I gotta wait until my wife and I clear out the garage and I build a studio out there. It drives me crazy. So many people miss the boat because they never just get on the boat. They keep using their lack of a fancy studio setup as their reason. What am I doing wrong now? Okay. The really? What is going on? We may need to downgrade. Um, okay, uh, they keep using their lack of a fancy, fancy studio setup as their reason for not producing or pitching any music. It's the ultimate excuse for procrastinators. It's like ready-made, right out of the box. Oh, I can't make music because my studio isn't set up. Or I don't have the money to put one together. Funny thing is, most of the people I know who are making six-figure incomes are well, or, or people who are well on their way to doing it don't have a ton of of great gear, uh, and they don't have built-out studios. Instead, they usually have a mid-level computer, uh, one of several workstations, um, meaning, you know, this brand or that brand, Pro Tools, whatever, uh, a couple of microphones, uh, which are usually not like the $3,000 or $5,000 variety. Usually, they're like $200 microphones. Um, they have a pair of shoebox-sized monitors. 
They have a MIDI keyboard, they have some sample libraries, and a bunch of plugins. Maybe the best example of how little you actually need is the time that Stephen Baird, who's definitely a six-figure taxi member, showed us a great sounding uh, EVM track that he created on his very average 13-inch MacBook Pro. It was like, you know, a four or five-year-old computer, didn't have a lot of RAM, didn't have a lot of anything. It was just a very average laptop. And yet he did a bunch of the work that he played uh, on that EVM song that he played on an episode of Taxi TV. He did it on the airplane with earbuds on the way out to LA. Um, so it wasn't even done in a studio, it was done in an airplane. So as taxi members often say, it's the ear, not the gear. Remember that. It's the ear, not the gear. So the six deadly sin, thinking that you need to have an expensive, perfect, acoustically perfect uh, recording space and a bunch of gear, false. Nope. The seventh and final deadly sin of this otherwise really fun episode is thinking that you need to compose the most compositionally advanced and complex instrumentals to impress music supervisors. Thinking that you want them going, oh my goodness, that is the most wonderful composer I've ever heard. No, you don't need to do that. Because they're not generally looking for the most talented composer or the most um, composers or instrumentals. Yeah, that doesn't even make sense the way I wrote it. Because the music is not the star of the scene. The dialogue and the emotion are the star of the scene. So the music that supports the emotion best and stays out of the way of the dialogue is the best music. That's the craft of, of doing instrumentals for TV and film to some extent, is knowing how to keep something simple and make it so that it stays out of the way of dialogue in most cases. Many musicians have an image in their mind's eye where they think that a music supervisor is sitting at his or her computer listening to music and thinking, wow, this is the most brilliant composition I've ever heard. And then once they hear that, the, you know, the work is just going to rain down on that composer. But what the music supervisor is actually thinking is, this nails what I need to have in this, this scene to support the emotion. And it's easy to edit, and it's going to work in the scene. That is what makes them happy, not finding the most brilliant composition, right? So, in many cases, the best music, again, is often the simplest and the most usable. While your burning desire to show off your compositional skills may cause you to spend three days creating an incredibly complex grand opus, the piece that might actually work best in a scene could very well be a simple solo piano piece with a great melody that really makes the audience feel something. Great example of that is, is taxi member Bob Meddy. That guy is a great piano player. He um, has had tremendous success with stuff that is largely um, solo piano work. Um, some of our members who are making six-figure incomes with instrumental music are often surprised at their simplest, swampiest acoustic guitar dobro piece that might ultimately uh, is ultimately the one that makes them the most money because it gets used over and over again. And the big tour de force orchestral piece that they created that took them days or maybe even a week or two to finish is the thing that doesn't get used. So it's not about, wow, that piece is complex. Wow, that piece is impressive. Wow, you must have put a ton, a ton of effort and time into that. It's all about, does the piece work? So the best thing you can do if you're interested in creating and pitching instrumental music 
is to watch a lot of reality TV shows. And I know that can be painful. I do it for work. I don't do it because I love the Kardashians. I literally do it for work. And when you do it, you got to take copious notes about the styles that are used most often and make notes about your observations about the instrumentation and the arrangements. As a good general rule of thumb, shows that need a score already have a composer scoring them. So you don't need to create a score. You're better off creating simple instrumental cues that aren't scores. So there you have it, folks. The Seven Deadly Sins. I have plenty more where those came from, but not for today's show. So that's it. I'm done. Even with the big delay getting the show off the ground, I get to go home early today. Thank you all for being so incredibly patient while we got this worked out. We will test and retest and retest again for next week's show. And with that, I bid you a fun farewell. Bye, you guys. See you next week. Woo!